Welcome to today's episode of Retail Initiative. Um, we'll do the whole theme song thing, but we, it's a pretty special one today. We're, I am with Tara Austin from Ruthie Grace. Tara, you want to say hi? Hi, guys. I'm so excited to be here. This is our second podcast we record together, and I'm really excited about it. Why have we only done two episodes? Anyway, hey, real quick, we're going to do a theme song thing, and then we're going to get into it. The rules of retail are changing. One by one, corporate retailers are closing their doors and some call it the death of retail. But those rules never apply to independent retailers like us. We're writing our own rules. We're here to answer the questions about how to grow your business, stay competitive, and still have a life. I'm Josh Orr, and this is the Retail Initiative Podcast. So, like I said, I'm here with Tara Austin from Ruthie Grace. Um, Tara, how have we only done two episodes? Or how is this only our second episode to do together? I don't know. I feel like maybe we should do them more regularly because I know that there's so many things that I constantly come to my head that I want to share. And I think a podcast is the perfect place for some of it to land. So. Have you ever thought about just starting your own podcast? I have, but the fact that I try to live by the motto, like done is better than perfect. And I've seen so many people launch their own podcast and they just like go out and just get like the bottom level baseline equipment to do it and they just start. And so I've thought about maybe tackling that in 2020. Yeah. So confession on that. When I first started this podcast, I like went out and I bought like the nicest everything I could get. And then I come to find out like a lot of the podcasts I listen to are recorded on iPhones. Really? I wouldn't even For know. Real. To I could probably Google it, but yeah. yeah, they're recorded on iPhones. All the fancy equipment is sitting in a box. I have like a mic that I use. Um, for the people on YouTube, kind of trying to show it, um, but it's not an expensive one and it plugs right into my computer. Like it's not hmm. like fancy, fancy. It's just like a little, uh, it's a level up, but that's it. Like, yeah, but honestly, I've recorded episodes for my iPhone and they sound just like good. 95% is good. So if, if you want to start a podcast, um, well, actually, you know what, here's the lesson here before we get into why we're talking about this, whatever that thing is that you are making an excuse for not doing something because you don't have the equipment, you don't have the money. Um, <clears throat> Tara, your product photos are incredible. What do you take your product photos on? Uh, an iPhone. And it's not even like we just upgraded to the iPhone 11, but it's not even the iPhone 11 Pro. It has been on an iPhone 8 like for the last, ever since iPhone 8 came out. So you don't even have to have the top of the top. It's just an iPhone. It's all about yeah. the, in the photo. <laughs> yeah. And for them, um, you can see those product photos at shopruthygrace.com. Um, Tara, real quick, before we get into it, what photo editing app do you use? Because that's going to be another excuse that's used for yes. why they can't be as good. So what's the app? And Yeah. Okay. So we use Afterlight. And the thing about Afterlight is you get to control all the different, um, you get to control the brightness or all the different things to edit the photo but you have to do with every picture you have to do each of them individually if you're looking for kind of a quicker turnaround easier process um we also sometimes will use the lightroom version on our iphones and we have bought presets basically essentially is like a filter if you will from just other people online and it's just kind of like a copy paste and it changes the picture all in one drop and so that's a super super easy functionality too like for people who are just getting started i love it all right yeah. so let's get into today's 
we'll episode. I'm really excited for this one. This is a, um, a topic that I love. And um, so Tara and I run, do a mastermind together called the Manifest Mastermind. Um, we'll have our next round starting in the first quarter of next year. Um, we've been talking about changes that we're going to make and ways that we're going to make it better. And like, I love it. I, it's seriously the favorite thing that I do. 2020 is like going to be the year. It's going to be the year. I'm feeling it. If you're a retailer and you're listening to this, get ready because 2020 is it's about to get lit. I'm feeling it. Wow. Lit. Okay. Um, but okay. My, my favorite thing about the mastermind, besides the fact that I like teaching and that's awesome, um, is the community is like the, like the friendships, the, the, the interactions that people have with each other, like trying to help each other grow. Um, and so we have like a private Facebook group. And in that group, someone asked a question this week that I was like, I have to record a podcast episode from this. Um, she, I told her we were going to do it. But I didn't ask if I could read the question. So um, Jay, if you're listening, I'm sorry that I didn't ask if we could do this, but um, I'm just going to read your question and know that like, if anything, like we want your good. And so we want to help you through this problem. Um, hey, Tara, quick question. We are in, <laughs> did you just respond when I said, hey, Tara? Oh. <laughs> you said hi back. Sorry. Um, we're going to, for serious now, for serious. Okay. Okay. I'm going to say, hey, Tara, but I'm not saying, hey, Tara, like. I get it. I got it. Okay. I got it. <laughs> hey, Tara, quick question. We are in the phase of growth where I actually have a team that is handling lots of steps for me. It's been fantastic, but there's a bit of a problem. For so long, it was only two or three of us, and we did everything, and each of us, each of us to know how to do everything in case others were gone. Like Basically, we all knew how to do each other's jobs. Uh, now that I have a team, we aren't being efficient with our task. Common problem. Lots of overlap where two people are doing the same thing, and lost communication because it's not the same staff in the store every day. Um, how did you develop your job roles as you grew? I'm hesitant to step back, set black and white boundaries and destroy the team environment. I love that she's focused on culture. Um, and destroy the team environment. I've demanded they have, but I see frustration in them for not understanding what exact, their like, exact responsibilities. Um, it's my objective to fine tune this prior to being on the road. So she has like, she does like road shows, um, and she wants to get this stuff figured out. Um, thank you for your advice and input. I'm so grateful. And Jay, we're grateful for you. Um, yeah. Gosh, like this is one that I get a lot from my clients. Um, and so before we get into it with like, why did I say beyond the fact that she said, hey, Tara, quick question. Um, but why, like, why didn't I just record this podcast on my own? I asked you to do this with me. Right. Um, what would you like? Give some backstory real quick into like your growth. Sure. With, like where you started. Do like the super fast version of the beginning, but then um, like how you kind of led to your roles today, and explain okay. what what that is for you. Sure. No. Um. And also, too, I want to say that before we get into this, um, 
we can lay out the foundation here for what we've done and what worked in Ruthie Grace, but really and truly, this is one of the hardest things about owning a business because there's real no, there's no manual. Like this is something that's like an on the job learning experience and it's going to look different for every person's business based off of how their business functions and what their operations include and things like, and then where the weight of the responsibility comes from, like where there's more work needed. So um, the backstory for Ruthie Grace, you know, I've been doing this for eight and a half years and when I started, I was a one man show. I had people that would come in, um, volunteer hours to help me do things. And they did the tasks that were like the mundane things, like the tagging and the things that I could say, here's a tagging gun, here's a tag, tag. Um, and then as I began to hire people, I had to start releasing and delegating some of my responsibilities so I could free up my time to do other things. And that's how it started. It started as like just delegating the very easy black and white responsibilities. Um, and then as we began to grow and I had more employees, I needed somebody to help me kind of, I needed to have an outlet, an initial outlet for someone who was ultimately responsible to make sure everything underneath me got done. And so that was like the beginning step. It was kind of like, if you look at the chain of command, which is something that I'm going to reiterate over and over again in this podcast is that is crucial to have a chain of command. So everybody knows who they're ultimately supposed to report to and who's ultimately responsible to make sure things get done. That was like kind of the first like higher level position I made was that I just pinpointed someone that said they may not be doing all the job responsibilities, but they're the person who I'm going to look to to say, you know, did everything under, did everything get done? Um, kind of like my direct point of contact my right-hand person. Um, <clears throat> as you start to grow this, it doesn't have to be somebody that's necessarily in a full-time manager's position. Maybe they just get like a little bump in salary just to kind of be like your direct point of contact or your communication within your team. Um, and so really and truly, as we have grown to where we are today, you would see basically like this main point of contact and then all the other little like responsibilities underneath. And when we started feeling the weight of certain responsibilities taking too much um, control, we would then start to split off. So you've kind of, so you start to see like this chain of command that almost like delegates out and funnels down um, to where people know what they're responsible for. So that's kind of how we got in where we are today with the different positions that I have within my, within my company. Great. So to get to her question specifically, <clears throat> um, so I'll kind of read the, the reframe the, the question. Um, so for a long time, she's had two or three people and they all knew how to do each other's jobs. Yep. Um, when you're first starting, I get why, why you do this. Like I own a small business, Tara, you, you, uh, you still own a small business, but you have owned a much smaller business um, when it started. And it's easy to, kind of just be an all hands on deck team. And if you, if you get lucky, you like that works. If you get lucky, you have people that can do that. Um, but here's the problem, even with that kind of thing is if you got lucky and you had two or three of the right people, it's going to work. But what does that, what does that require of every hire that you bring on after that? Like, yeah. oh, no, like they all have to, every single one of them has to be like a total all-star at everything. Mm -hmm. And Tara, like how easy is it to find an all-star at everything in retail? It's not. <laughs> it's, it's not. <laughs> I, don't, I mean, I, and this is not 
I have an, an incredible team, but to expect every employee and every hire to come in and to basically maintain that level of work ethic and not only that comprehension, if you think about take, bringing an employee who you've trained and then you are basically bringing in a new person who you have to train, they're not going to perform at the same level. It's going to take time for that new hire to rise up to meet the person who's been there for a while. And so that's the hard part. Um, when everybody's trying to do the same thing and, um, one thing about Jennifer's question and one thing that you pointed out was that she values culture and it's fun when people are kind of on the same playing field and when they are, um, you know, they all feel like kind of like they're equals, but the culture can slowly start to disintegrate when there's conflict or uncertainty and nobody has true authority to make the final say or the final decision. And then that's when conflict arises between employees. Cause you look at the situation, you have new employee and you know, experienced employee. Well, experienced employee can start to become frustrated with new employee when they're held accountable to the same responsibilities, but they're dropping the ball. And it's merely just because they're inexperienced. They're just trying to learn, but it can affect the like camaraderie and also the efficiency of the business. So there has to be kind of some authority or I would say more of a uh, chain of command structure that allows for grace and also allows for um, the responsibility to fall more on one person than the other. Yeah. And like, so thinking through as you are, are trying to go from two to three people and you're you're thinking through like okay we've all we've all been doing everything Tara like put yourself in her shoes so like being the size where her company is so you you have let's say there's three people on your team and now you're bringing on person four and five right um what like what things are you looking at like are you looking at um specific are you going to just be like okay we're generally overwhelmed so we need more help or are you going to look and yeah. be like okay like the we're all trying to tag items and enter inventory and throw things online edit photos you know we need someone that can do like these pain points like how are you approaching right employee so, number four okay so the way i do these things and i do this now and this is how i begun to move at this point if you have three, I'm going to take the situation where you have three people and they all kind of trade off their responsibilities. And now you're bringing on four and five. At this point, it's too hard for you as the owner to be able to oversee all of them. So you need to be able to look out of those five people. I'm assuming it's going to be one of the original three. And the qualities that you're going to look at is number one, who seems to have the highest work performance. Number two, who's been here with me the longest? And number three, this is a big one. They can have one and two, but if they don't have the time to commit to you, even though they may be a stronger performer and they've been there longer, but number three is the time. And you need to look at somebody who, hey, as I continue to grow and I continue to invest in my employees, who is going to be able to stay here the longest to help me basically recoup my return and my investment? So sometimes you may have things where you have someone who's been there longer, but this, you know, the person who's been there the shortest amount of time is looking to be in your company for a longer period of time. And that may be the person that you say, 
Now at this point, this person is the direct point of contact directly to me, and they're going to start to oversee that everything else gets done. I'm going to pause there for a second, though. That does not mean that that person does not have specific responsibilities that the other people do. So you're gonna elevate someone to a higher chain of command, they're gonna be like the final say, and they may still have a specific responsibility. So you start to divide out who's responsible for what. So in her question, she's saying she doesn't wanna set, she's nervous to set black and white boundaries, and I want to say, I wanna encourage you to set black and white boundaries. You are responsible for receiving the merchandise, getting it entered into the point of sale system, and getting it tagged. That's solely this person's job. This person is solely responsible for this. This person is solely responsible for this. And then as you bring in the new hires, you allow them to kind of understand the different systems. They're kind of like a little bit under, but not quite. And then eventually you start to give them their own set of responsibilities. So that's kind of how I would take that shift. You would go from three to five, about three to five. You would pull one person up a little bit that makes sure that everybody's doing what they're supposed to be doing. And each person has their own responsibility. That way it's all being done. And if it doesn't get done as the owner, you can turn to employee A and say, hey, look, this was the deadline for this. It needed to be done. You know, can you explain to me why it didn't get done? So. Yeah. Because that ever happened in your business? Like without like instead of talking about the principle, like is there any example that you could give? Like story or anything? Yeah, so that's a really great example. So um while I'm talking about establishing this like chain of command and these certain responsibilities, as your business starts to grow, you're going to see in your employees in their workload increase, and then they're going to start dropping the ball solely because the demand is high. And then at that point, you know, I can go to the, like, um, for example, in my warehouse, whenever, um, I used to have like a warehouse manager and I, um, then warehouse manager was in charge of everything from shipping, you know, fulfilling orders, also um, items that were missing if the inventory oversold, also returns and things like that. And it got to where she could not oversee the fulfilling of the orders because she was so inundated with returns. And then there were errors going out in the shipping department and she her, she literally physically didn't have the time. So that's when I reevaluated and I said, okay, now this needs to be I need someone who oversees orders only, and then I need someone who's fully in charge of returns. And so that's kind of, mm -hmm. by knowing that it was fully her responsibility and it wasn't getting done, it allowed me to assess the situation, her workload, and then readjust accordingly. Yeah, and then how did that work out? Like, Because so I would think that there's some overlap in the way the warehouse functions and the way the returns function. Like, was that so smooth? It, it was for a while, but then, so it's really funny. So I had, a, I had someone who oversaw all of it. And then I said, we split out to um, like a warehouse manager and a returns manager. And now we actually, so it worked, they worked really well and they functioned independently for a while. But the problem with that is they basically, they affect each other directly. And so, you know, it wasn't like from receiving, which is where we get the inventory and get it in our point of sale system. Once it's in the point of sale system and it's ready to go online, technically that department has kind of done their job and they've moved on. You know, it's not really like mm -hmm. there is 
communication, but the, the responsibilities function separately. Um, but with returns and with a warehouse and the shipping, they, there were so many things that they had to work together on and they did a really great job of working together, but because they both basically had the same authority level, it got to where there were some decisions that need to be made to keep things operating smoothly. And so they were having to like eventually come and like pause, ask like, how do we handle this? What do we do? Mm -hmm. And so, um, we just recently made the decision to now kind of reestablish the authority of like everything that comes under returns and shipping goes under one person. Yeah. And so, um, but hear me when I say this, <clears throat> the returns manager is still fully responsible for everything returns. It just got to where if there was a stopping point or a standstill, they knew the direct, at the end of the day, somebody had the final say. And that's the thing is you don't, as an owner, you don't want to put yourself in a position to where you have to answer every single um, problem or every single thing. You want to set your team up to be able to resolve conflicts, whether it's internal within the staff or mm -hmm. external, like a problem that's coming in and set very, very clear boundaries. It's like, you can make this decision if it, if it involves this, but if it goes to, if it escalates to this or does this, like at that point, you need to be able to come to me. And what that does for you yeah. is it allows you to step back and let the operation continue, but still be able to, um, you know, have control over the things that matter the most. So for sure. I think the piece of her question that is important. So there's, there, the, they, they overlap a lot and it was one, her fear her hesitance, her hesitancy, hesitancy, I can't say words right, um, to set black and white boundaries. But it was because she didn't want to destroy the team environment. And I, I get it. Like as a, as a business owner, like the times when I try to set as like few boundaries as possible, almost always, almost always end up coming back to like actually hurt people more than it helps them. Like, um, I'm trying to think of examples. Like I, I try to set flexibility around like, all right, well, if you want to like stay late or work, come in early, but you need to leave a few hours early. But then like someone then is like, well, great. Well, I'm going to not work Friday and I'm just going to work a ton throughout the week. Well, I wasn't like black and white in that boundary when I first set it. And so it like it created confusion for them because I didn't set something. And so like they thought they were abiding by the rules. They weren't trying to take advantage, but it like, because I didn't set that boundary, it hurt them. And like, it's like, it's like basketball or football or anything. Like even little kids play with rules and rules helps everyone have more fun. And so by picking a responsibility and saying, you are responsible for this, you are responsible for this, you are responsible for this. Um, even though it seems counterintuitive, it will actually help your culture so much more because when you say, Hey, you know what success looks like? Success looks like this being done, this being done and this being done. You know what people like being successful? Like they want to succeed. Your team wants to be good at their job. And if it's like this general, Hey, we just need to operate smoothly and sales need to be up and, um, our buying needs to be on point, whatever that thing is, but people don't know where they fit into that puzzle. They just kind of all are generally hustling. Right. It you doesn't know, work. 
you know, one thing that you actually said to me, Josh, probably about a year ago, that's really resonated with me. And I think this is a great top point to discuss here is I was so afraid. And I think Jennifer probably, I'm assuming she feels this way, but to give any one person a sole responsibility out of fear that like, Hey, if that person's responsible for this and then they're not there, that job won't get done. And I remember you telling me you like, it's very natural in the business world for certain people to be solely responsible for specific tasks. That's very natural. Like my husband is in construction and he's the project manager of a whole entire job. Like there's no, like he doesn't have three project managers helping him manage this job. So if he needs to take a vacation, it keeps going. No, if he takes a vacation, he will line everything out for someone to cover in his absence, but he still is fully responsible for that job. So it's the same thing, even in retail, we so much want to make sure that everybody and hear me when I say this, it's probably good for a little, for your staff to all kind of have a very, very broad picture of which each person does in case that, you know, you have an emergency or whatever, and you can step in and you as the owner can always step in and do that in an emergency, but you don't want to, you don't want to assume that that operate, that that's always going to happen because then you're tying yourself deeper to your business. And the goal is for you to build a, a machine that operates on its own. So you can continue to do the things in the background that propels you forward. And so yeah. don't allow day-to-day tasks to keep you from getting there. This is crucial to growth in a business. This is a, um, a very hard step to make, but I'm telling you, like, as you push through and you break through this, this moment, because you're going to, you're going to have these breakthroughs and then you kind of have to shift responsibilities and you're gonna have these breakthroughs. And then you, you know, like there's just going to be, this is part of growing a business. So feel confident knowing that you're moving in the right direction. For sure. Yeah. So to get like tactical um, and like very, very practical. So I, I think most of my listeners are brick and mortar retailers. So I'm going to speak to brick and mortar stores here. Um, So part of it, like we talk about creating a business that, that runs on its own. Um, And what I'm not saying is like remove yourself from the business. Yes. I think that that's a, a goal. And I think that, the, uh, you want to get to a point where your business can operate 100% without you um, in, a, in a ton of ways where you have picked like the two things that you want to keep doing that you'll never give away and then you've given away everything else. Um, but you, you can list out all the responsibilities of your store and pick like, okay, well, I love this, I love this, I hate this, mm-hmm. whatever. Um, but I think you could probably pin those down into four areas. Um, maybe five if you want to. Um, And so it'd be figuring out like, how do we divide the roles in these areas among my team? And then you can assign responsibility. Some you're going to keep and some you're going to assign. So I have buying. Mm -hmm. No one needs to be responsible for buying. Operations. How does does the business operate? Sales. The customer experience um, is the sales floor operating smoothly um, and then the creative side the operation side or sorry the creative like marketing side of things mm-hmm. um, so within those as an owner like so what I would say to Jennifer is like first off of those four which one is there any of those that you're never going to give away like Tara are you ever going to hire a buyer actually you are you ever going to hire a buyer I think you could but I don't know if you would uh 
the, I'm in this weird phase where I'm going to start getting a little bit of a buyer's help, but for the most part, like I would never fully let go of all the buying. Yeah. Like I basically like, I know what I'm looking for. I need them to go help me find it. That's more of the relationship that I will pursue. <laughs> Got it. Just curious. Um, yeah. But yeah, so like buying, but gosh, like we work with someone who like grew a really big retail business and she's super successful. Um, honestly, she would even say terrible buyer, not super fashionable, um, loves the world, the industry. She's had a buyer on her staff since she launched. She wow. still goes to market for like the budget sense and all of that, but she's had a buyer on her team since she launched. Um, next is operations. I would say that if you're just starting to hire, hiring someone that can help in operations and being very, very specific on what they're responsible for. Someone who can manage inventory in the POS system, which if you don't have a POS system, come on. Like if you're on Shopify, Stocky now is free with the Shopify plan. So you like, there's no excuse not to have something. Um, but you need to have some tool that's managing your inventory and it better not be square. Anyway, um, I, anyway, that's a thing. Um, but operations, like who's responsible for putting inventory in? Who's responsible for order fulfillment? Who's responsible that for everything being tagged? Um, you need to find like a Karen you know, like a super, or if you're a Karen, and I'm really sorry, um, but like you need to find a super responsible, organized person who like loves Excel. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like someone who like finds like, like their happy places and making chaos into order. Um, right. And give that person full responsibility. And when your inventory's off, like, they're who you're having the conversation with. You're not having a team meeting. Right. You know, um, sorry. And anyway, I'm kind of one sided piece of this conversation, but I, um, next is sales. This is making sure that your sales floor is staffed, making sure that customers are being greeted and helped. And, um, whether they're the only person who's responsible for this, Still, you have one person who oversees basically the customer experience inside of your store. Now, what I'm not saying is that they're the only ones doing this. If you're a four-person team, you probably all rotate responsibility of being on the sales floor, saying hi to people, checking people out, doing customer service, but having one person who is responsible for that. And then last is like the creative and marketing piece. Um, who's updating the website? Who's creating graphics? Who's doing your social media? Of those four, like pick what are you the worst at? What would free you up to do what you're best at? And you either need to hire for that or you need to outsource for that. So for some people like the creative and marketing piece, I don't believe in outsourcing marketing, but like you could outsource some of the creative and like the tactical pieces of marketing, like creating Facebook audiences and retargeting ads like you do through Shoelace. <clears throat> um, I mean, what do you think of, of those like four areas? Do you, if you're a brick and mortar retailer, do you, is there something I'm missing, Tara? No. Or and anything I, you would add? I would say that um, some of them may be, ha may have to be combined depending on where you are size wise and depending on where you are mm -hmm. funding wise. I think that um, being able to have the cash flow to assign people responsibilities for some of these things and, and almost thinking like if I give, 
them this responsibility? Um, like, what do I pay them? I know it's a whole other conversation, but that step can be really scary for somebody who's like, okay, I'm just trying to grow right now, but I'm, there's too many things for me to manage, but I also have to be careful where I spend my money. Um, mm-hmm. Don't take away the idea that people still, yes, you can, that a little bit of a pay raise for responsibility is good, but people also really love taking ownership in something. Um, you know, so like, don't hear this and think that you have to like be at this like major retailer level and have to go have someone responsible for all these different things. Like Mm -hmm. scaled to where you are, keep this pay scaled to where you are. And, um, when you start doing these, it's all about just delegating and setting very clear boundaries about who's responsible for what. And, um, you know, and the thing about it is it's really cool about some of these like like top level um, positions and uh, like think about the buying. If you think about the marketing, um, think about like sales staff and like making sure a lot of these things don't aren't done on the sales floor. So you can, you can have this, this employee structure where people are rotating sales on the floor as for the schedule, but then they have these like outside sales floor hours where maybe they do them from home or something, the marketing from home where they get extra hours to help keeping Mm -hmm. the moving slowly. Um, and I have found through growth, even though I only have an online store right now, but I have found through growth that, um, people love to be able to work on things from home. You know what I mean? Or like flexible, a little bit flexible hour. Um, and that really, that's just, people love that. And you see a huge response from employees in being able to take ownership and things. So don't be a, don't be fearful that you have to Pay what you think to give the responsibility. For sure. I think that's something that holds people back from doing. Yeah. And if you just heard me say that you need a buyer, an operations manager, a sales manager, and a marketing manager, um, I'm not saying that you need all four of them. I'm saying that someone needs to be responsible for all four of them. You may be owning, as the owner, owning buying and sales and marketing, but you're going to have an operations manager. Or you may love operations. You may be like, you know what? I love purchase orders. Like they're my jam. I just, I could create them all day long and I don't understand you. I can't relate to you at all, Um, but you exist and you're out there. Um, Then keep operations and hand sales off because chances are if you love purchase orders, you're not a salesperson. Just going to throw that out there. Um, So like hand off whatever you are least good at whatever would free you up to do the things that you are best at. Um, that's going to be like the key to building a team. Um, as far as like resources and like things that I, I, Tara, if you have any, I would love to hear yours. Um, mine would be, there's one book that has really been impactful for me. Um, actually two that I'll share. Um, one is called radical candor, um, by Kim Scott. Kim worked like at Apple and Google and whatever it is. It's a book about being like a kick-ass boss is what it says on the the thing on the cover. Um, But it is all about like building healthy culture, healthy teams, having solid communication, setting those boundaries and like doing it in a way that's super healthy and creates an awesome environment for your people. Um, The other one is a book called Rework. Um, Rework was written by the people that built a software called Basecamp. 
And, but this book has like whole sections on hiring, um, when to hire, and, and they're big proponents of like, keep the team small as long as you can until it hurts, then mm-hmm. bring on people for specific roles once it hurts. So don't just build up a team of six people just because you feel like you need six people. Keep it at four until you literally can't do it anymore and then bring on the fifth to take specific roles. Um, so again, rework. I don't even remember the guy's name. I think it's Jason Freed or something like that. Jason something. Um, and then uh, um, I see it on my bookshelf. That's why I know this one. Radical Candor by Kim Scott. Um, Tara, has there been any like resources, podcast books that have been I mean, helpful that, for you and your team? The one thing that I, it's been a while since I read it, but I read the E-Myth a while back and it's basically, um, the book is just really structured to talk about like as entrepreneurs, we should really be setting our business up to almost to be franchisable, like whether or not we want to franchise it or not. Like the goal is to make it Mm -hmm. operate like a, you know, on its own and just kind of be this engine that works. And so, um, it was really good for me. That was just really eye opening as to like really and truly where my role as the entrepreneur lays. Like not that I ever am not going to be fully involved in my business, but there are certain aspects of my business that should operate outside of me that should keep going. And it allowed me to put the perspective of that. It is crucial for my growth to keep moving forward to do those things. Yeah. Because, um, you know, like, it's just crucial. Um, you can only do so much and your job performance as the owner will start to slack. If you are constantly just trying to make decisions so your employees can keep going, like they need to have a power and authority themselves to do things. And, um, that's where investment in your company will come from too. The more responsibility you give them, the more they're going to be invested and the longevity will start to show itself in how long they've worked here. My manager, my general manager, the girl that runs the beast of Ruthie Grace, I wish that every person could have her. Um, Her name's McKenna. She's been here six and a half years. And at the end of the day, like she makes sure that none of the balls have dropped in every department and, um, you know, she has a lot of authority in the business to make lots of changes and things, but she also knows at what point she has to come to me to get things done. And so, yeah. yeah. And so um, McKenna is so much of the success of Ruthie Grace and she has so much value in what it does. And that's because I've over the years allowed her to come into the position and the person that she is within my company. You know, if I would have held on to those things, she may not be where she is and Ruthie Grace would not be where it is. So. Yeah, she is incredible. Although you need to send that girl on a vacation, like lock her out of her email, like not even let her. I don't think she would. uh, Yeah. I'd have to do it without her knowing. Yeah. You would, but she probably is the only person in the company with a password to lock her out of the email. So yeah, (laughs) there's a good chance. Um, I will say to what Tara said, honestly, of the three books that we just suggested, if you're going to read one, do the E-Myth revisited. Um, (laughs) That book is going to have more application of what we just talked about. Um, Super quick read. It's a great audible. Um, Yeah, it's, it's phenomenal. And you probably are going to get the gist like halfway through and be good. But again, I think that's such a phenomenal resource. Um, Well, Tara, I, thanks for being here. Um, Jennifer, I hope we answered your question. Um, to summarize it, I think it's a matter of like, be okay creating rules. 
It's going to help your culture thrive. It's going to help um, people like have a metric that they can like gauge success against. Like they will thrive within that. It's not going to kill your culture like you think it will. Um, don't see it as like setting rules of what they can't do. Instead, you're saying, hey, if you want to be great at your job, do this. Mm-hmm. This is now what it is. So um, be okay with that. And yeah. So Tara, anything else before we go? No. Good. This is good. I'm, I'm really excited. I think that this is a, this is an internal struggle that a lot of entrepreneurs deal with. And it's like, where do you find the answers to it? It's hard. So I'm really thankful that, um, we were able to kind of sit down and share our experiences, both of us with what we've done over the last few years. And I hope that it really helps somebody move forward. So. Yeah. And, um, we'll have the next round of the mastermind, um, we haven't decided on a date to open it back up, but we will be launching it um, in the first quarter of next year. And then we'll do a few rounds throughout the year that we're so excited to bring to people. Um, but thank you for listening, whether you're on YouTube or in your car listening to it on podcast. Um, super grateful for you. If you don't already, you can find me on Instagram at Retail Josh. Um, and Tara, where can they find you? Well, if you want to find me personally, um, you can find me on Instagram at Austin, like the city, the number one, at Tara Austin one. And if you want to find my business, you can find us at Shop Ruthie Grace on Instagram. Um, but yeah, I would love for you to come hang out, chat with me. I love talking all things business. So I hope to see you there. Perfect. And yeah, so thanks again. And we'll see you next week. So have a good one and we'll talk soon.